Hello, bonsoir, and welcome to the Get French Football News Show. I'm Nathan Staples, and joining me this evening is Jeremy Smith. It's a little bit of a late show from us today, but this two-man crew will try and go through the league events and also the Champions League that have happened the last couple of nights. So let's get straight on with the news. On Friday night, Lyon got back on track with a 2-0 win over luckless Nîmes. Moussa Dembele and Memphis Depay grabbed the goals for Legon, who lift themselves back into fifth place in the table. On Saturday, Paris Saint-Germain made it 10 out of 10 as they put five past Amiens. It's also the 10th time this season the side have scored at least three goals, a new Ligue 1 record that keeps on going. In the multiplex, Thierry Henry's debut as Monaco manager was spoiled as Strasbourg won 2-1. Adrian Thomason capitalised off a miserable mistake by Sidoussi as Lebel Motiba netted the winner with Yuri Tielemann's spot kick, only a consolation for the 10 men. Elsewhere, Nantes got their first win under new management as they won 4-0 against Toulouse as Lille held on to their place in second with a 2-1 victory away to Dijon. Colt and Gangump ended up goalless as Rance and Angers also ended up sharing the points in a one-all draw. On Sunday, Montpellier remain in third after an impressive 2-0 win over Bordeaux, while Hatem Benarfa rude missing a spot kick as Rennes managed only a 1-1 draw at Saint-Étienne. In the late match, Marseille knocked off Nice at the Alliance Riviera 1-0. Morgan Sanson grabbed the winner in a tight affair that keeps Marseille in the Champions League hunt. In Europe this week, Lyon came from behind to, to only have two points stolen in the final minute of an enthralling 3-3 encounter with Hoffenheim in Germany last night, while Monaco could only draw at Club Bruges 1-1 this evening as Paris Saint-Germain needed a goal from Angel Di Maria in the final moments to nick a 2-2 draw against Napoli. And that's all for now. But to keep up to date with all the news in the world of French football, head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. We start this week with the big news in France, and it is the debut of Thierry Henry as manager, which has happened both in the league and in Europe at time of recording with this being a Wednesday just, but we'll focus on that opening match at Strasbourg and we'll give you a nice pat on the back to start off with because you were the one to predict Strasbourg giving Monaco plenty of trouble and coming out with a victory and so it entailed, some may say that the, the red card did assist, but at the same time... <coughs> Strasbourg showed that they're not just a, a strong team at the moment, but also Monaco have a lot more problems than just fixing their manager. Uh, yeah, it was not. A, I was going to say it's a strange match. It wasn't a strange match because, as you said, Strasbourg got a very good team, um, particularly tough um, team to break down at home, and they've got the the men of support behind them. So uh, it was never going to be easy for Monaco, but. I thought they gave themselves gave a really good account of themselves, considering sort of how in the doldrums they've been recently, considering the the injuries and suspensions that Henri had to contend with. It was still on paper a reasonably strong team that he lined up with, and um, the, I thought they played some good stuff. But it was one of those nights where, until the injury time penalty, which, by the way, even though it went to VAR, to me it clearly wasn't a penalty. Um, 
until then, basically everything that could have gone wrong for, for Henri and Monaco did go wrong. Um, you know, maybe they were owed that little bit of luck, even though it was kind of moot at the end. But, you know, from, from the, within the first sort of 10, 15 minutes to, to Gronzis sending off, basically everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. He had, you know, Henri was forced to play with this third choice keeper. It was, you know, it was up in the air whether we play with third or fourth choice in the end between them. I think they've got two professional appearances, both of them for C, which maybe um, pushed him a little bit ahead. And then, you know, a, a terrible goalkeeping error on his part gave Strasbourg the lead. You've got Falcao going off injured. Um, Golovin, who I, I was never as convinced as other people that he was such a great signing anyway, but he certainly hasn't shown anything yet. He missed a good chance. Got a couple of clearances off the line, an excellent save um, from from Sells, and then um, and then Granzer coming on when only tries to change things, um, not force changes because of injuries, but tries to change things maybe tactically or personnel wise. Within 30, uh, 90 seconds, he gets sent off for an extreme, extremely harsh red card. I thought um, you know, his foot was high, but. I don't think it was too reckless. I don't think Gonzalez helped him by going down, clutching his face, and he was, it was nowhere near his face. And so it just felt that, you know, it, although they got that penalty, they could have played for another couple of hours, and it was just destined that, that Ori was going to start with a defeat. And it, yeah, it was a, it, I agree. It was a, a strange game in a way because, again, the problem <laughs> for Monaco, and a lot of people have pointed to defensive frailties and uh, lack of cohesion in midfield, but it's goals. It's They create plenty of chances in these kinds of games and clear chances, and they can't seem to stick enough of them away. You mentioned Golovin's miss as well. Falcao having to come off injured didn't really help either. They, they just <laughs> have so many opportunities in these games to 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 get out of the predicament that they're in and they're just not sticking them away at the moment i mean it doesn't help with players getting sent off i, I agree with you i think grunts was was a little bit disappointing but I, I don't understand why necessarily especially with falcao having to come off why thierry Henry decides to take off someone with the experience of jovatic in that striking area and then bring on someone yes with pace of grancier but maybe he needed to break them out of that mold more maybe take one of these midfielders off maybe anasa chadley might have been a, a better option to take off or a golovin jovatic just adds a little bit more uh strength and robustness and i i think that will come along as, as he realizes that maybe that was too much of a risk to take off and in the end it didn't really help either way really and <laughs> There's a lot more problems here to contend with, and we'll, we'll sort of wrestle as well with with what's happened this evening as well. But um, I just wanted to mention Strasbourg quickly before we do predominantly focus on Monaco, because they, they should take some credit. We mentioned earlier on this season how we weren't absolutely certain how they were doing, even though they were picking up good results. It was against teams with 10 men, and some maybe point to that again, but... At the same time, they were they were excellent before. Then they were they were in a controlling position. They had plenty of chances themselves. Uh, and the thing I want to focus on, really, and I, I suppose we again we've sort of put, popped him into the background, ironically, and that's uh, Thierry Loray, the manager. He obviously did excellently with Gazalek getting them up into Ligue 1 a couple of years ago and uh, putting up a real fight with a club that had no means to really stay in the division. And he's done it again with a club and now building into what could be and looks like, especially with the, the striker they've got in Libo Matiba, um, midfielders like uh, 
Leonard, who, who tends to do, is always a, a stalwart for them. And, and Kenny Lala's having an excellent season yet again. Um, someone will be certainly looking at him come the January and summer months as well. Thierry Lauré is again showing that he's a, a real quality manager and, and ironically someone that Thierry Henry maybe should have a, a look at emulating. Yeah, definitely. I think he's amazing. one of those sort of very quietly effective managers. He's never, you know, that's that's one thing that Henri can't emulate. Whatever Henri does, he's going to get a hell of a lot more media attention than than Laurie would ever get. But there's just a very very good setup at Strasbourg. You've got um, Mark Hello, who's an ex-player and ex-France international, um, as president. Laurie, who, as you said, did a fantastic job at, at Jaxia as well, and, and um, you know, it seemed a little bit harsh when Strasbourg were, were, were promoted that, that he came in and the, the coach, I forget who it was now, but the coach who, who brought them up didn't, didn't continue in the job. But, um, you know, Laurie proved, I think, with the Jaxio as well, made a really good fist of it with them and with a, with a team that, you know, was completely against the odds that they were going to stay up. Strasbourg, there's a hell of a lot more to play with. Um, there's always going to be some financial restrictions, but... They've got the history, they've got the stadium, they've got the support. And he's, yeah, I think he's, he's building up a, a, a really good squad, you know, a mixture of, of you know, really experienced players like, I don't know, Cornier, for example. Thomason, I think, was a fantastic signing. I was surprised um, that there wasn't more sort of competition and interest for him. And, you know, he's getting the best out of players like Lala, who, um, you know, at first just seems relatively kind of run of the mill, solid, dependable defenders but he's making him a lot, lot more than that and you know more often than not he seems to be Strasbourg's man of the match this season um picked up a, a you know bargain goalkeeper who's been excellent as well so I think that there's quality all the way through the team and uh, I think when we were talking about them last week before looking at the table to see exactly where they were at I sort of I thought to myself Strasbourg, there's been nine matches. They're, they're definitely the kind of team I bet they're won three, drawn three, lost three. And that was exactly what they were. So there still isn't always that consistency. The same last year, they sort of started really well, playing great football, then completely went off the rails. And then in the end, it's that fantastic win against Lyon to, to, to be sure of safety. But so, you know, there, there are still sort of growing pains, I guess. And, you know, that probably takes more than um, a season or two to really feel settled as, as you know, part of the furniture in the gap. But yeah, I really think that with the way that the clubs run and certainly with the, the class of law as a manager, there's no reason why they can't um, you know, become yet again league and regulars and, and you know, aspire sooner or later to challenge them for the Europa League. Yeah, and having a goal scorer, like we mentioned on the preview show, that uh, like Libo Matiba, who had an excellent um, breakaway with South Africa as well, which maybe is why yeah. he's, he was rested for the time being. He's still got his, his goal his, anyway. His finish against Monaco was gorgeous. It was a lovely little chip. I mean, he was, you know, he was through one-on-one, but he still took it so well. You'd see the confidence breathing through him at the moment, and that will really help pull Strasbourg along this season. Uh, moving on to, to Monaco's night, Tonight, at least, anyways, they headed to Belgium against Club Bruges. They got the point in the end. There again, we, we have to bring up that they they admittedly have a lot of injuries at the moment. They, obviously, we were without Falcao. That injury was um, a little bit too much for the Colombian to get over. They they have two goalkeepers out, so they kept Sedou in goal, and he 
didn't make as any mistakes tonight at least but at the same time they went ahead through um Musasilla, who, who looks like a promising player and it's great to see him get some minutes but at the same time they're pegged back and in the final moments Bruges have an header at the back post uh, and another day goes in it was very very close at, at the same time and but only a point really and, and with uh, the other sort of, the other two sides in the group obviously Dortmund sort of brushing away Madrid tonight which was really surprising but at the same time uh, the focus really for Thierry Henry do, does he maybe after this result think maybe the Champions League needs to go on the back burner and even so try and risk not getting into the Europa League to try and get the the team out of this situation it's it's a tough juggling act to go for now that they have got only a point from the game tonight yeah I think Champions League even probably before before the, the season started, once the draw was made, it always looked like it was going to be tough to compete with, with Dortmund and, and um, Atletico. I guess Dortmund were a little bit of an unknown as they've had a bit of a shake-up and everything, and new manager, but we, we know what a great manager Favre is. And, you know, you thought before the matches started, um, I suppose Jardim coming off the, the win in the first match of the season, you thought, you know, maybe could be between Monaco and Dortmund for that second place, but it was always going to be tough. I think, you know, I'm not saying he's got to throw it now, and I think tonight was was an opportunity to, to possibly get get a streaky win that would start them on a bit of a run. But, um, yeah, I think Champions League's definitely out of the way. And then, as you said, it's, it's you know, the club need to make a call. Do we, do we really go for the Europa League place? Or, you know, do we sort of sacrifice that keep you know it, it would mean sacrificing a few more matches and with with a, a squad that's already sort of stretched and already very injury prone maybe it's maybe it's just best to yeah just concentrate on, on domestic affairs keep the number of matches down as low as we can and just really focus on them but i think you know even tonight was it was kind of a little bit a continuation of, of Saturday, but then with, with a little bit of a twist as well. Because I mean, it was actually Badi Ashili who played in goal. Because hmm. um, C, I think, isn't registered actually for the Champions League squad, and I think um, they thought Benalio was going to be fit, but um, in the end, decided he wasn't. So they started with their fourth keeper and had, I think, the fifth keeper on the bench, which kind of shows, you know, despite the, how big a squad on paper it is. It, it shows how stretched it is at the moment. And then you, know, you, met, you mentioned Jovetic the other day, and why did he come off early? I can only assume that it's, you know, he hadn't played. I think he played the first two matches of the season. Then the last match, he came on just for a quarter of an hour or so at the end. So having played an hour, possibly, Ori was thinking, you know, it's going to be pushing it to give him a full 90 minutes. And then tonight, more bad luck, he, he goes off injured after eight minutes. So, yeah, another thing for Ori to contend with. But another way of looking at it is that, frankly, by the end of it, you know, they, t- they took the lead and, you know, Silla really looks a prospect. At the end, they were pretty much hanging on. And you could say, well, you know, maybe this is a change of fortune that they got probably an undeserved draw. And, you know, when clubs are at their lowest depth, it's the same way they say about strikers, you know, they just need anything, something to... Just, just go off their bum and go in and it will start them on the run. I think it's the same for clubs. It's just sometimes you can't see where that first point or that first win is coming from. And it, it might just be that little 
twist of fate that, that starts them off. So I'm hoping for his sake that, that that's what happens tonight, although you know, it certainly seems too late for the Champions League. Hopefully that one point is something for that for, for Ori and Monaco to build on. Let's hope so. And that's the interesting thing, isn't it? I, I was also thinking as you were speaking there, Jess, that even though they have got a limited squad, if you're dropping out of the Champions League and the Europa League completely, um, if they're only really chasing the Europa League places, because you can't imagine them getting strong enough to even try and make a push for that top three, maybe it makes sense to try and stay in the Europa League if they can breed some of the, the younger players that when people are fit, um, get the chance in that competition and yes it may not last forever but gets them an extra couple of games under the belt and the more games they can try and feed some of these players the better for them heading into next season at least but uh, we'll wait and see how they decide to juggle this one it is going to be a tough one and Henri's going to have to work out the next couple of weeks of how to balance this with players getting injured left right and centre really and uh, hopefully they think at least anyway, maybe an easy game against the Dijon side that have really struggled in the last uh, six or seven weeks to really pick up anything really. So um, they'll hope that that maybe is their chance for them to, to give themselves a leg up um, heading into November at least, but uh, best of luck to them at least. Uh, On to the Champions League results as well from elsewhere in the last couple of nights. And we'll start with Paris Saint-Germain because for a moment, I thought we were going to be talking about a disappointing loss at home to Napoli that really put them in the mire in their group. But Angel Di Maria saved them of that with a 2-2 draw with an excellent finish in the last couple of minutes. It's it's very lucky, really, Jess, that they managed to get themselves out of this hole after a, a disappointing game. They, they were better in the start of the second half, but they, they, they sort of needed that push, at least, anyway, to, to get anywhere near them. But uh, still disappointing to get a point from this one. It still means that the game in Italy in, in just two weeks' time is it, it, a lot of importance on that one heading into uh, the fourth match day. Because if they lose there or, or if they do indeed draw there, um, the back's against the wall. I I got into uh, just before the before we started recording. I've apparently upset quite a few PSG fans by um, saying that they were outplayed for most of the match and that Neymar wasn't great. Apparently, PSG deserved at the very least a draw and that Neymar was the best player on the pitch, according to some. But uh, as far as I'm concerned, um, yeah, you know, there's there's different styles and. Napoli are the closest thing I've seen to the to the sort of great Barcelona tiki taka team, and just think they're they're fantastic to watch. They're you know they're so settled. They all seem to be most for the most part on the on the same wavelength. There are you know a few final passes that that went wayward, but for, you know for the most part they're they're just um, all playing in harmony, all seeming to know where they are. You know little triangles all over the place, and it's. It, at times tonight, it felt like the, the sort of diametric uh, reverse of, of, of what PSG are, which is, um, you know, at times it seems like uh, 11 very, very talented players who haven't really played together before. Um, you know, that that's harsh. I'm overdoing it a little bit. Um, but there, it's just the same problems. Bernat isn't good enough. Rabiot and... Um, Verratti are uh, excellent going forwards, but not good enough defensively to, to combat exactly a team like Napoli. Um, and Bappe actually was very, very quiet by his standards. Neymar was trying to do a little bit, but I, I, I hold by my 
my statement that he wasn't that great. And Cavani, <laughs> I've been a critic of his in the past, but if he's not, if he's barely getting any service, then there's not much he can do. And, you know, it doesn't seem like Tuchel is managing him well. He's clearly at a very low ebb. Clearly Neymar and Mbappe just don't want to play with him. Um, and, you know, rightly or wrongly, as long as Tuchel's playing him, then Neymar and Mbappe are, you know, very much at fault if they're choosing not to pass to him. It's crazy. You know, if they want to kick up a fuss behind the scenes and try to get him dropped, that's one thing. But if he's on the pitch, then you should be playing with him. And then when, when, when Napoli did attack and considering that they do it so well, so quickly and so incisively and considering the PSG don't have a defensive midfielder, you'd expect at least one of Neymar or um, Mbappe to at least make a token effort to come back and try to press and try to help the defence out. And they did nothing between them. And I think PSG are extremely lucky to, as you said, you know, Tuchel changed the formation at half time and until PSG's goal, they were the better team just for the second half. But apart from that, I would say Napoli were better beforehand, they were better afterwards and PSG were, I think, lucky to come away with a draw. But that's the thing with them. They've got so many talents that they can, you know, the same with Liverpool, though they lost out, lost that in the end, but, you know, they were close to getting a completely undeserved tool draw in that match as well. And their, their individual talents are so good that someone can come up with a piece of magic like Di Maria did this time and it was sort of high to camouflage the, the poor performance that's come with it. It it can win you matches, it can you make win you knockout rounds, but I'd be surprised if it um well first of all that, you know, the odds are, I suppose, against them qualifying for the chat, for the knockout rounds now. But even if not, um, that you, you, it's very risky to rely just on that to carry you all the way to to winning the trophy. And I can't really see the way they're playing at the moment how they can do that. I think Tuchel is is trying his hardest, but I still think there's the same issues there. And actually, someone said to me today, "Would you, you know, you've got Neymar and Mbappe. Surely you're not suggesting that you ditch one of them for a defensive midfielder." And completely honestly, yes, I would. I still think Neymar causes more trouble than he's worth, and I think that PSG would be better off ditching. I know that it's not going to happen. Of course, it's not. But I think he's a luxury player. I think they'd still walk league down without him, and I think they'd be better off getting rid of him and bringing in a good defensive midfielder and having better squad harmony. You you do see how this is going to end up, though. I think I think um, come next summer, I think Edison Cavani is already probably one foot out of the door. They're going to try. Yeah, definitely. They they're going to try a name on Mbappe front two. Maybe they shift to what Tuchel was thinking. Maybe of a three five two really with Tiwa Kera in the defence with with two others. I'm assuming probably Kimpembe and Marquinhos. Maybe they still bring in a, a centre attacking midfielder, but. <laughs> Sorry, defensive midfielder, because then it allows them to maybe play Di Maria as a quote-unquote wing back. He definitely will be really playing wing back, but you you kind of get the drift of where I'm thinking of of him playing, especially against uh, Liga teams. But if they got yeah, if they had a, a Conte or, or someone of that ilk in the in the middle of the park, they would be a completely different team. I think it, it would make such a difference to to their midfield and and give their freedom to their attack. But I know what a lot of the headlines are going to be, especially at least in English papers after this result. And that's that 
the, the stats I mentioned earlier on. They've got 10 out of 10 wins in the league and, and more than at least three goals in every single game. They'll go, well, it's the weakness of league and that, that's causing this. And I, I think they're looking at this from the completely different angle. I think it's the pressures of the Champions League that are getting into this team rather than the than the, the lack of competition, quote unquote, uh, in French domestic football. I think that the, the example that they're showing in their games, because they are coming under some pressure on it at times and having difficult halves of games but they're they're scoring and doing so well because they they have the freedom to do so they they know that in in league and that they've got the quite more they have the quality to win these kind of games and in the champions league really if you put their team side to side man on man and how we've seen paris Saint-Germain play sometimes in bursts in in 20 minute 30 minutes burst they could blow any side in the in the league in in the champions league if they wanted to, they'd be able to blow them away in games where, similar to like Mbappe did against Lyon a couple, just a couple of weeks ago. They, they have the talent to do that against really anyone, especially these kind of teams that when they're playing in the part of the price, they need to and, and really, what's happening is they're freezing under the pressure. It was the same against Liverpool. They were obviously played a Red Star team that they again felt more, much more comfortable about, but as soon as they play Napoli again, they've, they've wilted under the pressure. Now, they're in a real conundrum because they could be playing Europa League football in a couple of months if they're not careful at this moment in time. And and what a feature that would be if they maybe face Unai Emery's team and they're playing Thursday nights every week. It would be a real, it's almost more of an embarrassment than going out of the competition, you know, in all honesty. That's a hell life you'll be looking at and thinking, what the hell's going on? And, and I don't know if Tuchel knows quite how to, to fix this whole without maybe adding another player into the equation, which is why Marquinhos has been starting a defensive midfield and, and all this. It's, it's, it's a very strange one. They they maybe need to have a good long look at themselves in the mirror when they play these Champions League games and think, well, we definitely have the quality to, to win these kind of games. Let's go out and win them. They're not really doing that at the moment. And uh, we'll wait for them to see if they can do it um, in a couple of weeks' time because it is a massive game in Naples when they do take on Carlo Ancelotti's side. Again, if, if you look you look at the team that, that started tonight, the fact is they're all very quality players, but I mean, there's not actually many that have won, won things at the very top level. I'm not counting Ariola and Kimpembe as World Cup winners because you know, they, they were squad players who barely played. Um, Bernard was in Bayern but was always in and out of the team. Um, Di Maria won, uh, you know, was a, a Real, but a similar kind of thing. Cavani has never, you know, he's been a very good striker for a very long time. He hasn't won anything, and more often than not, bottles for the Copa America, for example. It's only really Mbappe and Neymar who are sort of proven um, winners at the top level, and Mbappe still is only 19. You have to keep remembering that. So, uh, yeah, I do think the pressure is, is a big factor because. Uh, I still think that there's there's sort of mental weakness in that team, um, and then added to that, it's not. It's I don't think it's fair to say that it's because Ligue 1 is weak, but the fact is that PSG do sort of bestride Ligue 1. They're they're not playing on the same sort of level as the others, and so and so they don't come up with the same kind of pressure. It's not to say that the rest of it is weak. It's just that PSG aren't quite. You know, they're not Real Madrid and Barcelona. Pro, probably is still going to finish first and second in Spain, but okay, every year they have the odd sort of six nil, seven nil. But it feels like most of their matches are 
a lot of their matches are still kind of fights with, with other teams. Lyon, when they won seven leagues in a row, there was still every year, I think bar one, there was still a challenger that, that came quite close to challenging them. Um, PSG are not having a challenger at home. And it's, again, it's not because Ligue 1 is weak. It's just they're playing a, a, in a different league, frankly. And so that they're not, they don't need a defensive midfielder in Ligue 1. They don't, they don't need to sort of understand what it's like to, to chase a game. Um, it's, it's completely, it's not, it's a different kind of pressure and it is something that I think, you know, comes as a bit of a shock to them when they, when they enter the Champions League. And they have been slightly unlucky. I mean, it's just the way it is, but it is a very, they have had a tough draw. Um, so, you know, in theory that there's no shame in coming third to, to Liverpool and Napoli. It's just the performances have been, been shameful. <laughs> And that's uh, going to be the problem really going forward for the other team involved in Champions League football this weekend. It was last night for for Leon who they went ahead and then they were pegged back to 2-1 thanks to Andre Kramaric and then they got themselves <laughs> back into the lead with a couple of minutes to go and then it, it, it's stolen from them in the last couple of moments. An enthralling game, it keeps them um, with a unbeaten record in the Champions League, which is a good positive result. And I'm sure you'd take a draw from Germany before kickoff. Uh, but uh, at the same time, Jez, is, is there a tinge of disappointment in this one being so close to, to getting that three points and being, A, um, still top of the division, um, and B, uh, one foot into the next round? Uh, yeah, I think there has to still be disappointment. There's some cracking quotes from, from Olas yesterday and today, sort of kind of, if it makes sense, sort of picking Lyon up as this you know, small little minnow, which would be fair enough against Man City. I'm not sure it, it works so well against Hoffenheim. But um, yeah, having going into the last two, three minutes, 3-2 three, up, three, two up um, you've got to be disappointed not to come away with a win. But I think, again, at the, same, at the very end, they were a little bit on the rack. Hoffenheim probably should have had a penalty just before, um, just before they did equalise. So, yeah, despite despite everything, I think that they'll be happy enough with a draw. Obviously, that's as long as they, they back it up with a win at home, um, you know, beating Man City away, um, then only drawing at home to Shakhtar is a bit disappointing. As long as they avoid doing something similar this time around, then they should still be happy and still, as you said, in the driving seat to. to to qualify for the next round. Yeah, that's the thing about Leon's group, at least anyway, at this moment in time, is it's it's more going to be uh, almost jostling really for them more than anything at the with the, how the results have have gone for them. Really, because <laughs> the win at Manchester City was unexpected, but has given them a a real sort of leg up in that league, at least anyway, with with the the sort of I don't know if you necessarily call it relaxation, but the the, the belief that at least. Um, where they are in the group meant that the result against the draw against Shakhtar wasn't the the worst thing to come out of anything. And and the fact that Shakhtar and Hoffenheim drew them against each other um, just gives them a, such breathing room. I mean, three points against Hoffenheim and, and, and City winning next week practically puts them through. It would 
give, make a six-point gap, it would mean that they'd have to lose both the games to Shakhtar and, and City. Um, that would put Shakhtar ahead of them on uh, on uh, head-to-head, should they also beat Hoffenheim. So uh, there's, a, there's still a realistically very good chance of them leaving this group, and it, should they get a good result in the next game, or even if they get a draw, should Shakhtar lose, then they're still well within the driving seat themselves to to sort out this group, even if they can maybe take a point against City at home. That's not out of the realms of possibility. With And then it might come down to that final game against Shakhtar, really. But I agree, Jess. They'll, they'll be a little bit disappointed they couldn't nick this one, really. They, when you're in front twice in a game, when you've battled back, especially to the 3-2, and you let a goal in at the last minute, right in the front of the goal as well. Defence has to do a little bit better there, but um, they'll be a tad disappointed that they couldn't seal things in. Uh, let's head back to things in Liga this week then. And it, it was an excellent week really for a couple of teams, but none more so than for Montpellier, who we've mentioned a couple of times recently for their fantastic form. And they have remained in third after a 2-0 win against Bordeaux with both of their new strikers, including former Leisure on Dan Man, um, uh, Gaetan Laborde grabbing a goal. But in this game, I'm even more maybe so than the, the Neem game with the, the level of competition going up. It wasn't something that stopped Michel Desikarian's men not only getting a good solid win, but also showing that they have grown as a side. They look more dangerous going forward. Um, they didn't really concede any uh, strong chances against the Bordeaux side that have been scoring a lot more recently, especially Francois Camano. But uh, they looked a lot better in this one. They, again, they week on week, they throw a different test at them, and so far they're passing them. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not necessarily beautiful to watch, but it, it works well. It worked for Zakari and Nantes, and it's working even better at Montpellier, I think. It's a sort of steady progression from, from last year, and it's very much sort of based on a strong defence. Um, but it's, yeah, as I said, it's working a charm. You know, despite, um, was it Mubieli who, who, mm. who left in, in, in the summer, you've got Mendes, Hilton and Congre, who are three experienced, um, <laughs> experienced as a euphemism for Hilton, but, you know, three very accomplished centre-backs. I, I saw someone publishing stats, actually, for um, the difference in, in Montpellier sort of win ratio with and without Mendes, and it's it's a massive difference that um, you know how much better they do with him in the team. Um, you've got Lan, who, who is another of those I think you know quite underrated league players who could um, you know put in a shift anywhere across the pitch. But he's doing very well as a wing back, as as is Aguilar. And then you've got young players like Skiri and Sambia, who who I think have been revelations the last couple of seasons uh, or the last. You know, season in a bit in midfield, and then Laborde I think was always a little bit underappreciated at Bordeaux. I thought it was interesting that he he uh, he refused to to celebrate against his old club, which makes sense. But I wonder if Poyet had still been the coach after he was the one who pushed him out, basically, whether he'd have been a little bit more expressive. Um, and then Delors, you know, it just depends which Delors you've got. He's on a good one at the moment, but he could just as easily vanish for the next six months. But at the moment, the way the defence is playing, they don't need to score many goals to, to get results. And it's, it's working excellently. I'm just having a they've got, they've scored 14 and they've conceded seven. So, you know, if you're going to see Montpellier, don't expect to see many goals. But as long as you know, that they've got a lot more in their favour than against them, then, then they're going to be up there 
I'm not sure they'll, I can't really see them finishing top three, but certainly challenging for Europa League. And that's the the funny thing, really, Jez. I mean, it, when you give the stats out like that, that they've only scored 14 so far, it does sound like a, a small tally. But when you start looking at the rest of the teams in Liga, there's only really, and maybe this is an indictment on the league more than anything, there's only five teams that have scored more. And, and that's Paris Saint-Germain, Lille, uh, Marseille, Lyon, and Strasbourg, surprisingly. But... Um, when you add that to the fact that they've, they've conceded so little as well, it's an improvement. I mean, they were one of the best defences anyway, even though they've lost Mukiele this summer. Um, they've they've remained that. Only Paris Saint-Germain have, have conceded less goals than them. But the fact that they are even a little bit better, I mean, there's a lot of teams on, on sort of the 12, 13 mark. There's a couple on, on 10 as well. Um, so they're not exactly pulling away from the opposition in terms of goals for, but it, it's much better than it was last season. I mean, they were one of the lowest scorers in the division full stop. The fact that they've made at least some kind of movement in the right direction with players <coughs> like Mole, who's a, a great creative force. He, he's really added something to them. I, I think, yeah, I thought he was a bit underrated at, at Mets from, from people otherwise around the league. And he's done really well to help add some ammunition for um, the likes of Laborde, who has been a bit streaky in the league and he's never been a reliable goal scorer necessarily, but at the same time, he's still young and hasn't really had a, a strong run in, in, a, in a league side. Maybe this is his opportunity. Same for Delore, really. We know how good he can be. Um, he's shown it at Colm. He, he, he's shown it in spurts, at least uh, elsewhere as well. We, we know that he can be someone that could grab you 10, 15 goals when in, in the right uniform. And I think the fact that he's, he's grabbed a couple of penalties now, his confidence does look to be up a little bit more. His movement's back. You can see that um, given the, the, the help he's given to Laborda and playing up front with someone else, I think is helping as well. Um, someone to, to feed off of uh, with, this, with the scraps that Laborda can do with holding the ball up in his style of play. I, I think it's kind of strangely still very desicarian like but they just have a little bit more about them they have a little bit more control we've mentioned it i think before that that there are certainly going to be tougher tests to come for the for the team in the next couple of weeks as they start playing some more of the the bigger teams i mean they've got marseille in a, in a couple of weeks time and they, they also have a run against lille and paris Saint-Germain back to back just before the winter break at least so they, they and leon just before we break up for the winter break as well so they've still got the, some of the very big games to go so the fact that they can maybe get on a run now not only means that they are well away from a relegation fight that we thought they might be in but like, like you say, they they may be even a Europa League challenges if they can keep things going and keep things motoring on with these games against Toulouse and Angers still to come, and, and depending on where they are, obviously they've got Monaco early December as well. Games that are in their wheelhouse, at least anyway, winnable, winnable games. And they did pretty well against the big teams last season, so it's not necessarily going to be a bad thing when they do come up against them if they can um, emulate that form from last year. But another side that I wanted to highlight really from the weekend, who's finally got off to a, a kind of what we expected them, supposedly a little bit different way about it, and that's no uh, finally got their first win under new management. Halihodzic has finally got his first victory back in league, and it was a real strong one <coughs> to lose. And in all honesty, the strange bit for me is um, is a man I wanted to focus on, the man who grabbed pretty much all the goals, is or at least was involved in all the goals as well, pretty much, is Emiliano Sala. Um, he's been 
uh, sort of a, a languishing forward, shall we say, for, for a number of years. He came to know he's not the prettiest of footballers. Some people would describe him as Bambi on ice sometimes, really. But the Argentine is slowly but surely developed into a pretty reliable goal scorer for Le Canary. Uh, yeah, I, I have to admit, I'm, I'm not one of his biggest fans, but he, you know, he, he does a he does a job. He's one of those players you, you pretty much know what you're going to get, and if you play to his strengths, then you are going to get um, a reasonable handful of goals every season. And you know, he's obviously the hat trick helped, but seven goals and he's right up there in the in the scoring charts. And considering that that Nantes are doing so badly, and you know, until, until the weekend were the second from bottom. That's that's a really good return, and you know, arguably keeping them above water. Um, and you know, if he's got players like Oscilia coming into into form and, and um, providing him with with good service, then yeah, he will score a few more, and it could be the difference between not um, staying up and going down. And this is the thing then of his sort of evolution. I'm just looking back again in 2015-16. He scored six goals. He's already beaten that. Um, <laughs> a year later, he managed to grab um, double that amount. So he got 12. So he's only five off that at the moment, really, with half a season gone. And last season, he ended the season pretty strongly, but it was again 12 what he finished on. So the fact that he's already grabbed seven in nine, and, and yes, a, a hat trick always does help. I just feel like he's maybe doing a little bit better than some anticipated. And someone else I wanted to highlight, also involved in the in the goal scoring and, and grabbed an assist at the weekend as well, is, is Gabriel Brasilia. Um, someone we thought would be an excellent signing, Jez, for no, uh, uh, coming on loan from Monaco, even though given that um, his injury history has maybe stopped him from becoming a better player at Monaco because he was involved in the squad that, that won the league, although albeit briefly, and, and that injury sort of derailed any chance of him being um, a bigger member last season. But he's come on loan. It's taking him a couple of games, but uh, as they've got through it, he's, he's been, the last couple of games, at least he scored a goal, he's grabbed an assist, he got a goal and an assist in this game. It, 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 he is starting to affect playing and become maybe that creative force that not really needed to, to push on. That was the worry at the start of the season, that they looked like it, they would be a more creative side under Cardozo, but it never came to fruition. But with the Brazilian now maybe packing up the mantle, um, he's a player that not only could be great for um, them this season, but someone maybe Thierry Henry maybe is keeping a, a side with glance on and even maybe see if uh, there's something written in his contract to bring him back in January. Yeah, I, I, you know, he was, he was very unlucky in Monaco. Monica. He wasn't... Um, he wasn't a regular starter, but he was a regular first team squad member and, and did make regular appearances. And um, uh, from memory, his, his, his stats were actually pretty good in that season. And then um, it's funny that a lot of a lot of what he does seems connected to Nantes and Mets. I think he was meant to go to Nantes on loan and then scored a brilliant matching free kick against them, which sort of set Monaco on. on up for their for their good season, and so Jardim decided to keep him. Then I think he had a fantastic game and against Mess. It's probably that nine nil. I'm not sure. But, um, it's possibly that one from memory. But then it was against Mess. I think that he got the bad injury, and he never really came back from that well at Monaco. So you know, maybe it was it was good for all parties just to to see him get a chance in a first team somewhere else, and. He was always, I think, a classy player, really good left foot, 
um, great range of passing, fantastic um, dead ball specialist as well. So it's um, it's really good for just as a as a football fan to see him hitting form again. And, and for Nantes, it could be again, it could be crucial. I think. Um, yeah, I really think Cardoso was was hard done by being being ditched so soon. Um, we talked about it before, but it was you know it's quite a big um, change within the squad and certainly a change of style. And I think he he just you know, he should have been given a, a much bigger chance. But it could well be that um, Halidzic gets the you know, gets the benefit of Baskilia now. Baskilia, not sure how to pronounce it, getting a few a few extra matches under his belt. And, and you know, really settling into the team and, and basically making it his team. There's no reason why he can't become their, their main playmaker. Yeah, and that's the the thing about this result that, that stands out the most to me is that with not being a bit more creative and getting a, a big win under their belt against the Toulouse side that has had a good start to the season, they've slipped up in the last couple of weeks, but it's still a really good result. It's just kind of the thing they maybe needed to to boost the rest of the season. We'll see how they'll get on from this point ahead, but it just feels like one of those momentum shifts that maybe pushes them back into the, um, the, the mid-table sort of places and in their eyes, at least maintain their uh, potential Europa League charge, but it's going to need a lot more than just the one big win to, to push back into that group. Uh, we're going to finish tonight with um, a quick, um, well, uh, one of my favourite bits of the show, Liga Snapshots, and I'll start with this one to give you some thinking time if you're <laughs> easy. Just, uh, I'm going to start with um, the the one of the other results. Uh, it, it, excuse me, in this one, and it's um, the Hatem Ben Arfa experiment, because I'm, I'm sure everyone wants a bit of an update with with, uh, with the mercurial talent that is him. Sounds, in it. sounds like an experimental jazz band. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's almost a summarisation of his entire career, isn't it? I think that he, that he's a, he, if, if you were to explain him in his, his autobiography, I think he'd explain himself as an experimental jazz band really more than anything. Um, because he had the wonderful and the, and the woeful again in the Gate Saint-Étienne. He had one moment of uh, a couple of moments of brilliance where he'd burst, he'd, he'd come up alive <laughs> in little sprints and little dribbles. He's such a wonderful player to watch when he did that. When he when he burst past a player, he makes um, um, Loic Peran and, and has a shot at goal. He's a little bit unlucky. He wins the penalty because of a, of a bit of burst of speed and someone can't quite handle it and he takes him down, but then he steps up to take the penalty, doesn't he? And uh, unfortunately, he puts it on onto the post. He, he went there. He sent Stefan Ruffier the wrong way, but at the same time, he couldn't quite get it on target. You could see the idea that was there. He obviously wanted to put it right in the corner, but not quite that right in the corner because it hit the post and, and went out and stopped. Wren eventually got the goal they needed to draw, at least, but that would have meant they could have won that game. And he'll be a little bit disappointed that he's showing glimpses of that wonderful talent, but he's also showing... Uh, wonderful glimpses of that um, little bit of arrogance that creeps in because it was a little bit of a, of a fancy sort of take of the penalty. He sort of dinked it a little bit, but didn't quite have the accuracy he needed. Um, Jez, what's your Liga snapshot? Um, mine is, I'm going to go with um, Leon's opening goal, not so much Dembele's finish, but um, Marcelo's pass to him. I haven't seen anyone make any fuss about it, which I'm shocked about. I just think it's fantastic. I've, I've been known in the past to, to wind up some Arsenal supporting friends by suggesting that Burkamp's goal against Argentina is overrated and the second touch was only good because the first touch wasn't great and he had to really stretch to cut it back across the defender and that actually the greatest thing about that goal is the first fantastic pass to him. Well, 
Um, <laughs> I might be being slightly overdramatic, but I think Marcelo's pass is almost as good as, as, as the first pass in that match. I just thought it was a fantastic ball to Dembele. And, um, he almost made a meet about finishing it, but he, he almost, you know, it would have been uh, criminal if he if he'd wasted such a good ball by, by putting it wide or having the keeper save it. So I'm just going to give Marcelo a little bit of love. He doesn't always get a lot of credit, either as a defender or as a footballer, but I thought this was a really, really classy pass. Yeah, lovely ball. And I think I'll finish with mentioning, because I, I know if, if we don't mention it, Rich will be um, listening back and, and being angry that we don't mention the potential save of the season by Abdullah Diallo for Ren. Really excellent save for, down to his right-hand side where he, he just palms it strongly onto onto the post and it rolls across the line and it gets back onto it. It was a, a wonderful save from the from the goalkeeper to stop uh, Saint-Étienne nicking that game, at least anyway, but uh, ended in a one or draw. Uh, that's all from us this week. My thanks to Jess and all of you listening at home. Uh, there'll be no preview show this Thursday due to, um, as you might have noticed, uh, a lack of uh, talent available um, is maybe the best way to put it. Um, but we will be back next week with our well, uh, Monday night with our usual show as always. Uh, for, for, well, for the rest of the evening, Abianto and goodbye.